In this episode of 9-2-I Talks, Jamila Jamil sits down with writer Ashley C. Ford for a candid, wide-ranging conversation about her role on the hit NBC show The Good Place and her work as founder of iWay, an internet community working toward radical inclusivity for Generation Z and underrepresented communities everywhere. The conversation was recorded on September 26, 2019, in front of a live audience at New York's 92nd Street Y. Wow. I've never been unveiled before. Right? That was, it was like being unwrapped. I feel like a Christmas present. <laughs> that was fantastic. Um, my word. So this is where all the attractive people are in New York tonight. Good to know. Good to know. Thank you so much for being here. This is, I'm so excited about this conversation. Thank you for being here. This is going to be a lot of fun. So I'm guessing you guys already know who Jamila Jamil is. Like, I'm not gonna... I'm not gonna go into it. We don't have time for that. Uh, we're going to forge straight ahead by starting at the beginning. Jamila, I don't know a whole lot about, about your childhood. Okay. Or your birth. Yeah, it was short, sweet. I was 13 pounds. No one's ever forgiven. 13 pounds? A beast. Wow. But I weigh my social contribution. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, I want to know about how you played as a child, because one of the things that I found from performers is that usually they also were performative as children in some capacity. And I'm wondering if that holds true with you. Nope. No. Not no. at all. No, I really didn't. I used to, I, I was deaf for most of my childhood, so probably until I was about 12 years old, on and off, I would lose my hearing, I would have a painful operation, I'd get some of it back again, I'd lose mm -hmm. it again. Um, swimming throughout all of that was a very bad idea, definitely <laughs> making everything worse. Um, and so I was a lonely, quiet child who then would, you know, I had depressed family members mm. and it would bring them joy if I would do like a play or something I would partake in a play and so I you know once a year would have a part in a play and that was it that was my entire uh, sort of show-off contribution mm -hmm. I was just yes quiet little nerd <laughs> deaf child uh, but learning a lot at the time became a very observant person and I I value those years massively now because they have helped arm me for you know this dangerous world and this like really toxic industry oh my gosh so speaking of this really toxic industry that the two of us are <laughs> involved in in Why? one way or another I don't <laughs> know what are we doing I don't like. I liked making things, and then all of a sudden, I was here. I don't yeah. know what happened. Um, but one of the things that I I wonder about, especially uh, with that story for a childhood, did your family expect at all? Like when you started doing things that had to do with the entertain entertainment industry at all, were they just like, huh, come again? Because no. my family definitely was. They were oh, like, really? you have friends. Oh, <laughs> people like you. Uh, no Strange. one, no one could, no one could believe it because I was also like, you know, I come from a family of people who are really interested in show business, and they, you know, all had aspirations somewhat to be famous, and I was the one who was like super South Asian. I was like, I want to be a doctor, you know, like, <laughs> I, like I was a complete stereotype of my people, uh, and I loved biology, and you know, I, that was it. I was just. Mm -hmm. I, I thought that's what I was going to do. And I was actually, you know, I was a bit of an asshole. I used to look down 
on people in this industry. So that worked out great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I definitely didn't see this coming. I actually became, well, I, I got hit by a car at 17 and I broke my back and I, it's on my Wikipedia page. <laughs> 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 um, but I, it, it, it really, it, it took me out of school. And so I didn't, after like two years out, I didn't want to go back into school. So I just became an English teacher. And I taught English as a foreign language or I would teach high school students. And so I was an English teacher. That's what I was doing. And someone scouted me in a pub and said that they thought I was funny and that I should apply for this job. And I was like, ugh, no. And then he said it was a thousand pounds a day. And I was like, sorry, what was the email? <laughs> <laughs> and I went to the audition and I bloody got it. And it was the biggest hosting job in youth TV in the United Kingdom's history. And I, was, I started like a week later live on television. And so that's how I entered this shit show. <laughs> <laughs> And with that entrance point, at what point were you able to look at what you were doing and say, okay, I want to go in this direction. I wanted, because you do so many things. Mm -hmm. It's not like you went in one direction. No. You're an actress, you're an activist, you're a freaking DJ. You do so many different things I'm that Jason like. <laughs> but I'm what? I mean, <laughs> a little bit, right. in the best way. <laughs> I'm wondering, like, how did you like start getting down those paths? Coming from a person who had very little interest in being in the industry to being like a person who can do seemingly do it all in the industry. I'm, I'm, I'm all right at all of these things. You know, I can't do it all. I can survive it all. I, you know, I find my way through. I, you know, I'm okay. I become okay by the end. Um, sadly, only by the end. Normally. Um, no, I. You know what, I just, I, I like being uncertain of how things are gonna go. I like to test my boundaries. I, I like to see what I can get away with. And so I just keep trying new things to see like how badly I can fuck up. Like what's gonna happen? <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to learn. I don't find failure to be failure. I think mm. failure is legendary because it means you were willing to try. I just saw my manager's parents, I think potentially. Hi, uh, sorry. <laughs> don't tell her I swore so much. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, no, I, 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 you know, I, I really like. I see tremendous uh, value and and honor in trying stuff, mm -hmm. and I, I don't believe in in like. I think trying is winning, and this mm -hmm. is something that I talk about a lot, and I really genuinely believe that, and I've proven that by how many th ridiculous things I've put myself up for <laughs> that would result in global humiliation. Even just my Twitter every day. <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> what am I saying? But it's because I'm willing to put myself out there, and because of that via my periphery, the most incredible opportunities have come up and women in particular are told not even to try. We are dictated to as to what our lanes are mm -hmm. from as soon as we can understand. And that's so toxic because there are so many things that you are all capable of that you have no idea about because you've never even been encouraged to try because you've been fear-mongered around failure. Failure does not exist. The only thing that I think failure exists in is not ever trying. That's the mm -hmm. biggest failure that you can commit. Anyway. Sorry. Yeah, I'm no, with no. that. I'm with that. Went off on one. So. <laughs> no, I think that's wonderful. I think one of the things that I've learned in the past year that is, I mean, truly changed my life for the better is that it's all just practice. Mm -hmm. Everything you want to be, everything you want to do, 
all it takes is practice. You just have to do the thing over and over and you will get better incrementally at whatever it is. I still think it's really brave for someone so visible to do that publicly. Mm -hmm. Because public learning traditionally has been punished more than it has been <laughs> rewarded. Yeah. And you have decided to, it seems, be this example at times of public learning of not just fucking up publicly or yeah. failing publicly, but being accountable publicly mm -hmm. and then doing something about it publicly. And that model, I think, isn't something we've really had yeah. <laughs> in Hollywood before. It seems like the answer has usually been deny, 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 and disappear for a little while and come back and be like, what happened? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I find that a really sad uh, way to approach these things. You know, the, the, the problem with a lot of activism nowadays and just general fame and generally the way that our society runs is that we are so defensive and we bring our pride into so many things. And especially if you're working in activism, there's no space for your pride. You have to be willing to always learn and take the L when you are, not the train, the learning yeah. plate. Uh, no, sorry. The, the loss. <laughs> yeah, you have to say, is it the loss? I also, yes. it was the learning plate. That's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, like they have on the back of a car. Um, anyway, uh, what was I saying? You were telling them to take the L, okay, yeah. not the train. Yeah, that I'm like, you know, I make mistakes. I'm human. I am fallible. That's not phallic. No, that's a different word. Sorry, different I'm word. Like, I am like different I can sitch. I can make mistakes, and so I I'm open to that as long as I'm willing to change. Then there is value in what I am doing. And you know, this whole cancel culture thing—it's not real. It doesn't exist. Look at the people we've cancelled. Most of them came back. <laughs> and they're doing fine. And they're getting multi-million dollar Netflix deals. So, you know, it does, it's not a thing. It's not helpful. It's not progressive. We think it's progressive, but it's just about moral superiority and really just a new way to attack each other. I have made it my mission to prove to people that it's okay to be ignorant as long as you are trying every single day to undo that and to learn more and to be better and to do better. I think that that is a pivotal part of our society and how we're going to grow to understand each other. If we become afraid of making mistakes or afraid of asking questions, we're never going to put our hands up and we're never going to learn. And so this is the only way to learn is that you have to accept ignorance as an evil. And we don't know how to separate the two at the moment. When did that click for you? When did that become your mission? Like at what point were you like, you know, the visibility is there, the attention is there, the opportunity to speak is there, and so I am going to speak and I'm going to tell the truth when I do, or as well as I know it. As soon as I realized people were starting to really take me seriously as a voice uh, of support for marginalized groups, and people were taking me seriously as an activist, I was like, well, hang on a minute, and hailing me as some sort of like feminist icon, uh, and I've made loads of mistakes, like public mistakes, and because I'm new in America, a lot of people didn't know about them. So I wrote a pinned tweet about all of my mistakes that I've made. I was just, because I want everyone who comes to my page to know I am imperfect. And if you are imperfect as well, that's okay. We can learn together. I will be taking a bigger beating than you, <laughs> but <laughs> that's okay. You know, I'll survive it. It's fine. When people tell me I'm wrong, I listen. And sometimes they're wrong. <laughs> Generally, I, I, I'm, I'm compelled to learn. I love that. Can you tell me how much philosophy you were familiar with before The Good Place? Yes, zero. <laughs> <laughs>
I know that it's bad to murder. <laughs> Is that a thing? <laughs> Have you learned more being on the show? Yes, definitely. Or is it the kind, because sometimes I wear, you know, some people do shows forever and they feel like I didn't learn anything from that show. I heard recently somebody asked Ice-T about being on Law & Order SBU and he was like, I don't even know my lines when I get to set. So, <laughs> so I'm not saying you're Ice-T, but I'm just saying that like, you know, I, I think there's a way that you could do a show like that and not absorb the material if you didn't want to. Yeah, for sure. But I think that the fact is that we're not just like giving text all the time from philosophy mm -hmm. books. Like we're, we're finding ways. You learn about philosophy whether you are trying to or not, whether you want mm -hmm. to or not. It seeps right in because we <laughs> bury it in dick jokes and fart <laughs> jokes and, you know, robots that have, you know, wind chime penises. And so, but, but we, it's the spoonful of sugar that the makes the medicine go down. Like, so we are ingesting that. And so I have learned about people. I have learned more about empathy. I've learned about moral particularism. Uh, not at any great, like, specific length, so don't ask me to explain <laughs> uh, you know, I can't. Yeah, I, and I, I've, I've learned about humanity, and I also, one of my favorite things is, is about corrupt motivations. That's one of my favorite things I learned about mm. on this show, is, you know, if, why do we do the good things that we do? And I'm constantly asking myself about that, like, why am I doing this? Am I virtue signaling? Do I really care? And I'm, I'm pleased to announce today, that I genuinely care, because I mean, I must, because this is so hard. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's costing me a lot of money. Uh, yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah. That's what I hear. The more, uh, the more in control you are of yourself and your image and mm -hmm. of your voice, the less money you make. Oh, for Whatever. sure. Also, like, I've lost all these diet tea advertisements that True. I got. True, because you could I could be the laxative queen. <laughs> <laughs> and you threw it all away, Jamila. Yeah. You threw it all away. Talk to me about auditioning for The Good Place, what that process was like. Uh, I heard about the audition. I was told I had to go by my pushy <laughs> manager, Pam, your daughter. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Pushy she Pam's parents. Forced, yeah, she forced me to go, and I was resisting because you know I just, well, I just it seemed ridiculous for me mm -hmm. to even go and and like at the time be opposite Ted Danson specifically. I think if it hadn't been him, I might have been more open to it. But I mean, he's mm -hmm. a god; he's not a person. Nope. He is like real Michael, but not the demon, the one that we first thought he was. Uh, spoiler <laughs> alert. Um, and so, and yet I I went to that audition and. It went well, and then I went to a second audition, and that seemed to go fine. Mm -hmm. And then my third audition was oppo was opposite Mike Schur, and he he like asked me if I could improv, like if I knew how to improv, and uh, I just sort of was like, yeah, I can't. <laughs> I had no idea, never done that. Before. <laughs> and I had to improvise with him uh, on camera, and that was my final audition. And there was this really sweet moment where just before I signed my contract, you sign a seven-year deal before you walk into the room to do your final audition. Wow. It was petrifying. Because like, what if I'd hated Mike? Like, I'll just go in there, yeah. I'll just sign my life away to him. Um, <laughs> that didn't happen. Uh, and so I, he comes into my room as I'm about to sign the contract, and he just sits down on like the, the side of the sofa and just says, sorry, uh, I hope this isn't weird, I just like to watch people sign their contracts. <laughs> and like, because I'm brown and I come from a sort of rough background, I was a bit like, what well, do you think, I'm not going to sign it? <laughs> really defensive and rude. And he was like, no, no, it's just like a, a weird little tradition of mine. And then I noticed he didn't go into the other two girls' rooms. 
And then he went into the room. No, this isn't a Me Too story. <laughs> I was like, don't ruin my life right no, now. No, 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 no. He didn't go into the other rooms that I, that I know of. And then he went, uh, then I walked in on that audition and, and I heard from the casting director later that he'd kind of decided on me very early on and only sent my tape to the network, which is the most baller move. Like, you're not allowed to do that with a network as big as NBC. And he was like, but he sent only each of our tapes. So everyone you <coughs> saw on the show, that was Mike's original pick, and those were the only tapes the network were even allowed to see. What a boss. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah, there was no negotiating. I'm trying to be on my Mike Sure shit. Yes. <laughs> yes. We need that white man confidence. We, we do. Yeah. We do. I want a transfusion of Mike Sure confidence. Yeah. Absolutely. That's amazing. Yeah. That sounds so cool. Ridiculous. And the cast seems, you guys seem like you get, everybody gets along. It's a good time. More importantly, you're just creating great work. This show is amazing, and all of you do an amazing job on it. Thanks. Who's most likely to improvise? Like, if you're shooting a scene, who's most likely to step out a little bit and try something different. Weirdly, it's Manny, Manny Jacinto. Like, he's so quiet and in interviews and, like, just deathly quiet and silent, so you would imagine that he's got zero sense of humor whatsoever, <laughs> and it's just cheekbones. <laughs> <laughs> and what cheekbones they are. You know? Uh, but he's hilarious, and he improvises way more than any of us, and we know something horrific is about to happen because he's gonna like make us laugh during a scene in which we're not supposed to be laughing. And I know it's coming because Manny just sits there, he never lets any of us in on it. And he just sits there before he's about to say it as we're rolling up to the next tape and just his eyes, I don't know if any of you can see me, but he goes like this. <laughs> <laughs> and then I know something hideous is coming. <laughs> he breaks all of us, he's the person who's made all of us cry. He made Ted cry with laughter this season. What? Yeah, the bloopers reel is fantastic. Oh, I can't wait. It's all Manny. I can't wait. You know I get the special edition. I don't play around. <laughs> I want a director's cut. Do you have television or film writing aspirations? Do you want to make your own stuff? Yes. Yeah? Yes, yeah. I would. There's I mean, do you want to do like the make it and star? Or are you, do you want to be more of a behind the scenes person? I don't really know. I don't have particular aspirations to act in my own writing, because then I really have to take all the blame. Um, <laughs> so I think I'd rather just write something and then, you know, throw the actress under the bus. Uh, <laughs> um, but I have big plans of writing at some point. In fact, the reason that I got signed in America in the first place is because I'd written uh, like a pilot idea. I'd created this show. And um, that's how I signed with my manager and my agents. And they thought I would be uh, the next writer. And instead, I became a sort of like, all right, actress. Yeah. <laughs> Fairly successful activist, though. Changed the law on Instagram, so. Excellent. <laughs> well, that's a little something, something. You know, not everybody can say that. No. <laughs> Do you have directing aspects? No. Oh my God, so much work. Yeah. <laughs> You're not interested. <laughs> really hard. <laughs> Have you ever tried, or were no. you, did you just look and go, no. not for me? They're not happy people. Not my ministry. <laughs> I, I get it. I don't want to do it, thank you. No. <laughs> I'm already really busy, and I just don't, no. Have you been watching the show I as haven't, it goes along? No, I, I did season one and season two, and then just as season three was about to come out, we got the email from Mike Scher being like, hey guys, just letting you know that 
Um, we're only going to do one more season after this. And then I got too sad to watch it. I was like, I'm not, well, I can't watch it because then it means it's really over. So I haven't, I haven't seen it yet. But I will at some point. When, maybe when this whole season's passed, I'll just sit down and watch it all together and just sort of cry. Oh. Who's most likely to cry at a table read? Darcy. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Waterworks like nothing you've ever seen. <laughs> and Darcy's English, Janet. We do not abide by that. <laughs> Stiff upper lip. Um, yeah, Darcy. Darcy's the one to cry. Why do you think that is? Is she just a softie? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I also, you know, I'm, I, I always feel guilty for not crying, and then when she's crying, I'm like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Shows me up. I look like a right heartless bitch. Uh, no, I'm probably just like a normal person, and I'm dead inside. Um, but you know, it's like she's she's very emotional, and also like you know, a lot. She's she already knew a lot of the people who make this show coming in, mm -hmm. and so I think this like has an even further bigger layer for her of of emotional impact. And she's been in this a really long time. Uh, I think like 15, 10, 15 years, and so wow. this is like a crazy moment for her and I, it's a massive moment for me as well but I can't say that I've put in the amount of like grind that she has into this show. I love that. As in to get to where we are at. I can't even imagine. Not like popular the, the with actresses this yeah. story. <laughs> <laughs> Not charming. <laughs> you just we mentioned. redo that one. Uh, no, I'm joking. No, no I'm joking. Go on. <laughs> you just mentioned yeah. your work with Instagram and changing the law within Instagram. You you literally changed Instagram. Oh yeah. <laughs> Which is wild to say because I I mean I I have never done anything for Instagram <laughs> ever. Well, you're doing a lot for the rest of the world, so that's fine. I do my best. Yeah. But you know, Instagram. I learn so much from you. <laughs> I do. Oh, you're learning the wrong stuff, Jamila. If you're learning, well, then I'm fucked. <laughs> I'm hooked. We'll be hooked and okay. fucked together. Right. What has the response to Ai Wei been like for you? Because I remember, I'm gonna be honest, like I remember the first <laughs> Ai Wei post, mm -hmm. and then I remember it turning into the Instagram and watching it grow, mm -hmm. just exponentially. It feels like every day, and I've heard like I recently was listening to an interview where someone asked you about the strategy behind Ai Wei, and you were like, I, I posted, <laughs> you were like, I posted a photo, and yeah, then no this just started happening. Yeah. And I think people don't always understand, especially when they see someone as good at social media, that that doesn't necessarily mean there's a strategy, uh -huh. and quite often it's, the desire for human connection yeah. and to like connect with other humans to that feel the way you feel that make the biggest splashes more so than some plotted out business plan. Well, exactly. I think that's why my activism works. I think that's why my social media grows is because people can tell that there is a, there is a, a very loose woman. Uh, wait, does <laughs> that mean sexually loose? Um, no. Or no. vaginally loose? No, I, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. God, it's been a really long day, sorry. <laughs> um, I just mean that there is a woman who is a loose cannon, is what I meant, I who is it. tweeting from her bed at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> you know, like you can sense my passion and my error and my, my drive. And, you know, I think that it's very clear that this is organic, you know, for me, because also just who would be this regularly annoying 
like every single day. Who would be willing for people to be like, Jesus Christ, take a day off and keep <laughs> coming back unless they really cared? So there's no strategy, it's just completely organic. It's a phenomenal movement where, where all of the change that we are making, you know, like we, we've, got our, we've got this petitioning into, you know, ag against like these products being sold whatsoever in the world mm. into parliament in the United Kingdom and mm. had the prime minister before she fucked off and left the country um, <laughs> talking about it. And, you know, we have Congress in New York discussing it now. I don't just do that. I come up with the idea and the almost million strong army behind me mobilized to make it happen. It is a community. It is not my movement, it is our movement. And there is a real sense of that on the iWay page. Uh, there's a real sense, you see the comments under each other's, we post everything anonymously, so people, we don't expose people so that there's no trolling. Mm -hmm. And there is no trolling. It's just amazing comments from strangers to other strangers with no agenda, nothing to gain, just supporting each other. And these aren't just women who are larger or thinner, or this, these are men, there are straight men, gay men, there are non-binary people, there are trans people coming out as trans, there are gay people coming out as gay on the, on the pages because it's such a supportive site. And so that's why we're expanding it into a company and we're gonna have a website, we're gonna be an activism platform, and we are going to create space for the young people who don't have my privilege and my platform, and I'm gonna leverage that to give them a stage to be able to help create change, because I, I recognize that. that they're amazing. I love that. Well, we'll see how it goes. Uh, <laughs> I've spent literally all of my money on it. Because so <laughs> I, I wanted this to be run by young women and I wanted to give them freedom and not have an investor breathing down our necks. I wanted us to make what we need in the world rather than what someone else sees as profit. That's bold. <laughs> like that's real, like it is, it just is. Like uh, there's, a, there's a boldness I think about you that for some people offends, right? Like yeah. the worst people <laughs> yeah. in a lot of cases, like it offends them. Like the idea that not only you, that you would do something like this, but that then you would fund it yourself, that you would bankroll it yourself, that you would say, I value freedom more than I value the opportunity to keep a little bit more money in my pocket. Like that for so many people that seems anti like the exact opposite of what they've been told to do once they enter a position like yours. But do you think it's possible that those people have just been let down so much by people in my position that mm -hmm. it's just easier to distrust me from the start? I have empathy for that. I'm not angry with that. I tell people all the time, like, I, don't, I get it if you don't trust me. Why should you? Who, has, who, who else is doing this? Who else has given you a reason to consistently trust them? But no one, I, I was let down by my celebrities and by the people I looked up to and it ruined my, my, a big part of my childhood. I blame them for the decisions that I made because they had a responsibility to do better for me and to tell me better messages and, and to be a better role model and I didn't have that. And so I get it. And I, I, it's a bit like the woman who's been cheated on by 15 different people who now just like treats everyone like shit in every further relationship, whether or not someone's gonna cheat on them, she's got PTSD. Mm -hmm. The public have PTSD from shitty role models in celebrity, in Hollywood, in music, and in government. And so I, I hear you and I will just try to keep doing better. I think that's all anybody can ask. Yeah, that's it. Okay. It's a human thing. 
I like to tell yeah. people, you know, just because you recognize somebody's face doesn't mean they're a little less human yeah. <laughs> than anybody I else. I know, I know, and it is harsh, but also I get it. Yeah. And like, there is something dehumanizing about seeing someone like in fancy clothes with like overly enormous shoulder pads. <laughs> um, but the point is, is uh, what was I going to say? Oh, sorry, I just got really distracted. I didn't know what was happening. Just <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, yeah, I, you know, we're in a generation. Also, this is like the most fucked time because now our celebrities have a marketplace to be able to sell nonsense to us, and they have like Photoshop that doesn't rely on a magazine. They can Photoshop themselves, and they lie to us and they tell us that they, you know, they don't tell us that they have plastic surgeons and that they have cosmetic procedures and that they're wearing loads of makeup and they have special stylists and special lighting and that they have dietitians and all these different things and how much money and effort and time it takes to have the figure that they have and then they Photoshop it anyway. <laughs> uh, they just tell you, oh, I look this cute because of this like poo lollipop. powder that I bought, <laughs> this lollipop that made me look like this. And it's like, no, <laughs> like relax. But young people don't know that. We know that because we're in our 30s, but people who haven't been exposed to the other side of that they don't know. And so this is just the most hideous moment in celebrity yeah. where they are just taking such advantage of the people that trust them and, and, and follow them and, and fund them that I just like, I get it, I'm, I'm embarrassed to be a part of this time and that's why I'm working so hard to try and undo what I can. Has anybody who previously endorsed or sold these things, any of those people, have any of them said, you know what, I didn't realize how bad this was and I'm not going to do it anymore. Like, has anyone just made that choice on their own? I don't know, I mean, none of them talk to me for obvious reasons. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I hope so. But generally, I think it's within our celebrity culture and our societal culture to not own up to your mistakes. You just sort of like quietly stop doing something problematic. Mm -hmm. And I'll take what I can get. I don't need them to come and like, you know, with their head on a stick. That's very graphic, but uh, I don't need them to come and apologize publicly. Like, I need them to just stop selling laxatives to children and not, like, you know, get off your dick. Yeah. So. <laughs> Fair. I don't want to be on your dick. <laughs> I'm busy. I have a boyfriend. Like, I have stuff I could be doing. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything about... Yeah, anyway. <laughs> yeah, I was stopping myself. There's another over dick here. I could be on. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I've got dicks there, lined I'm up so around sorry. the corner. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yeah, it's a good one. Um, <laughs> no, guys, don't do that. Let's bring it back. No, just kidding. What was the most profound way so far somebody has changed their mind about something? What is the most profound way that somebody has changed? Ooh, trans people. Trans people, the trans community, uh, when I said something very opinionated about how surgery is a sign of self-hatred, like extreme plastic surgery is a sign of like inner self-hatred, and I said that publicly, and the trans community immediately called me in, rather than called me out, and just said, you are forgetting trans people and that that does not come from a place of self-hatred that comes from a place of our journey to our true identity and I hadn't thought about that before and it really changed the way that I looked at cosmetic surgery I still think some people use it in a problematic way but I should never have made that sweeping statement and I still need to check myself on my sweeping statements and I still fuck up sometimes but I'm starting to learn that I need to 
I, I could stand to have more nuance in my life, as could we all. As could we all. Yeah, but that was a big moment for me of like, oh my God, how did I not think of that? What an idiot. And I felt very guilty and uh, checked and didn't make that mistake ever again. Hey, don't talk about my wife like that. <sighs> um, speaking of that, one of the ways that, <laughs> or oh, no. I, I guess I'd like to share the story that we ended up chatting oh, online. Um, because we started chatting online you were because name. you, <laughs> she, okay, listen, let me tell the story. <laughs> <laughs> well, she tweeted something about someone, you were on the train with your boyfriend and someone had tried to take a photo of you secretly. And yeah. you tweeted out, you know, I'm with my person and you don't have to take the picture secretly. You could just come over and say hello. Mm -hmm. And I retweeted it and just happened to add, yeah, leave me and my wife alone. And that was all <laughs> that happened. Like, yeah, if you're gonna take a picture of me and my wife, just come up and you know do it. And it was like a joke. But then you responded, and we started chatting online. Mm -hmm. And I, I took the wife theme as far as it could possibly go. Yes, <laughs> including when I got married months later, commenting on the photos. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I really think that this should be the last time you tell our origin story. That is the last time that story dies here. I literally trolled her publicly and then in DM. Yes, yes. And it was fantastic. It was, I had a ball. Uh, <laughs> but one of the, the thing that I was thinking of from that was that even then, I saw someone trying to set a boundary, even publicly, just mm -hmm. saying, hey, you don't have to do that. You don't have to make this weird, <laughs> you know? Say hello like a normal person and everything will be all right. And I'm wondering since that time, because I mean, since then, you're everywhere. Like, I mean, then I was like, oh man, this actress on The Good Place, everybody check her out, you know what I mean? And now it's like, you don't have to tell anybody <laughs> who Jamila Jamil is. Like, yeah. you know, they know. And they're already annoyed by me. <laughs> they're, they're already like, ah. But I'm wondering, like, have you, how has your journey in, like, setting boundaries? Mm -hmm. Because I'm guessing that that has had to change over these past few years. Yeah. And what that's been like, because I know that you can be really, really vehemently um, intense about your defense of everybody else. Mm -hmm. But I wonder about how you feel when it comes to, like, making space for yourself and defending your own time and need for personal care? I have really great fans. The people who happen to invest in me, I like, I've sort of, like, they are people who care about the world and they, they have really wonderful things to come and say. And so it's almost always a real pleasure. I don't have anyone come up to me and ask me for a selfie because I'm famous, which used to mm. happen to me before. And that was gross and it just felt like an icky transaction. And mm -hmm. I did that to Jim Carrey, so like that's my karma. Um, <laughs> but I did like also love him for 20 years. But um, but you know, it it's just th this now feels like when people come up to me, they come to me with you know a, with a truth or with a little story or with no story, but just to kind of because I can tell that they have been moved by some of my work, and so I'm very happy to meet those people. And you know, in turn, when I go to events, I feel like I have the right to ask celebrities for selfies with me. Mm -hmm. um, so mm -hmm. no, I like it's fine. I also live in Los Angeles where there's not a lot of walking around, so you don't tend to interact, so it's really just quite a pleasure 
to, to me. Stopped <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> and stopped. Um, but, but also, you know, like my boyfriend and I are homebodies, and so, you know, we'd, we'd, we don't come across it too much, and it really is wonderful. I feel, I feel very grateful for the interactions that I receive. As a fellow No one grabs body. my bum anymore. Like, men used to sometimes, like, grope me, and now, like, everyone's terrified. Good. People are so... Yeah, yeah anyway, I'll go up. I'm not going to... No, I'm just saying... No, I'm just agreeing with you. Yeah, Good. yeah. People should be terrified. Yeah. You should be terrified to touch someone else inappropriately and what they might do. I feel like that's part of the problem. Um, you know, being in New York and the East Coast sensibilities are uh, a little different than where I grew up in Indiana. You know, a lot what I mean? of, there's like, a lot of catcalling here. There is a lot of catcalling, and there's also just the fact that in India, I don't know what it is. We, New York has a reputation for being tougher, but y'all don't fight like we fight. <laughs> like y'all do a lot of talking before you fight, and I don't, I don't really have that where I come from. So it's like you just the go idea. straight for the headbutt. I feel like if, if you touched my butt, then yeah, you could get a headbutt. Like that is, that is totally where I, where I'm from. Yeah, I try to follow the rules when I'm in New York. Uh, so I do some talking. Uh, but where I'm from, like you don't. You you go straight for. It's like you can't touch people. I feel like the stakes aren't high enough. Sometimes, like people will touch you because they think you're just going to turn around and say something. But if they thought you were going to turn around with a right hook, <laughs> they might not touch you. Yeah. Not to promote violence. No. <laughs> but just no. to warn people about who I am. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's a thing, right? Like the boundaries become a thing. But I wonder if because you are so sure in your choice to be a public person, like for you, this is not a compulsion. Like you don't have to be in the public eye. You make a very conscious choice mm -hmm. to do this work. So I wonder if but like, because of that, setting the boundaries just isn't as hard. And also maybe it puts something out that your fans are like, I don't have to touch her butt. Yeah, don't touch my butt. <laughs> um, that would be bad. That would go badly for everyone. Uh, but I, n I, yeah, I'm just, I'm generally like, I'm, I'm here. I'm in. F I'm up for all of it. I get. I get it, and I. I know exactly what I'm doing. I'm ready for this, and mm -hmm. you know, I maybe wouldn't have been ready ten years ago, but I've. I've been somewhat known. You know, this was back in England, but I've been mm -hmm. somewhat famous mm -hmm. uh, since I was 22. You know, and I'm now 33, and so I'm 11 years in the game. I know how to handle myself. I know how to handle other people, and I can spot when somebody is wasting my time, and then I make mm. very brief. Um, but generally, I'm, I'm thrilled to speak to the people that I've been talking to in the last two years, and it's been a real pleasure. I'm very honoured, honestly. I'm honoured when someone comes up to me and wants to have a picture with me and tell me their story. I love you don't always I have to tell me your story, because sometimes I am busy, but... <laughs> <laughs> you came here, you live in L.A. Mm -hmm. You live in America now, mm -hmm. okay? So you're part of it. Mm -hmm. Whether you want to be or not, what's going on around here, it's your problem too. Mm -hmm. When you <laughs> have, con when you go back to England, you have conversations with people and they're asking you about America. Like, what do you tell people who are not here experiencing America when you go back and they have thoughts or they want your opinions on things? Well, I mean, 
First of all, I haven't spent enough time in all of America to be able to speak with any authority, but I basically just go back and say, it's the same clusterfuck as we have here, but bigger. No. <laughs> it's the same. Brexit. Trump. Mm -hmm. I don't know how you guys roll, but, <laughs> but Trump. Um, and so, you know, it's all, it's all the same stuff. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we're just, I, I, don't, I don't really need to comment on it. I just, I also don't care about anyone else's opinion. Like, you know, people mm. from England like to make you feel bad about enjoying your life in America and enjoying <laughs> California. It's like, just like, that, I'm not interested in being approved of, mm -hmm. it, which you know if you've read my Twitter. Uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, I don't really discuss it that much. There's nothing to discuss. We're all just people making mistakes all over the world. That's absolutely true. Yeah. Are you writing a book? Yes. Tell me about it. Uh, it's about shame and my experiences of it and other people's experiences of it. It's my obsession. Uh, I just want to understand it because I believe that it is the seed in all of us that's breaking us in lots of different ways. I think it is the foundation of most pain in the world. Mm -hmm. Not all pain, but most pain. And so I just signed a book deal this week. And I'm going to bring it after this shit show of an election. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, 2021, I will be bringing out a book, hopefully. Fantastic. Uh, um, and it'll be no punches pulled. And uh, we'll see how it goes. It'll be great. It'll be great. We'll both have books coming out in 2021. See you on tour. Yeah. Oh, we <laughs> could do a wife great. tour together. <gasps> yes. <laughs> that would be so much fun. Oh my gosh. So sorry. Sorry, Dad. You heard it. You heard it. And it's not your my husband. Fault. And my husband. He put come. a ring on it. You know, he did, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I'd rather bring my dog. My husband is great, but my dog's fantastic. Okay. Um, a lot of people feel that way. Don't worry about it. What are you reading these days? I have no time to read. So the None. things that I'm. No, I have no time to read. I do this 24 hours a day. I honestly, this is all I'm doing, and so I'm listening to speeches, and mm -hmm. I'm you know, looking for great talkers. I'm really lucky that I follow really wonderful, enriching people on social media, and I find a lot of the great voices on social media, and that's where I find a lot of content. And you know, perhaps that isn't very highbrow of me, but that is also <laughs> where you are finding the people that didn't have the privilege to get published. Mm. And those mm. are some great voices. And so those are the people that I'm listening to, and I'm investigating and reading into their blogs, but that's it currently and I wish I could give you a more impressive answer, but that is how I'm learning and it's how I'm updating and I've never learned so much in my life as I have since I turned to marginalized communities to actually understand their experience. Okay, why don't more people get that? Why don't more people understand? Do you understand? approve? No, I mean, I, I approve in the fact that you, everything you just said, finding what you find, being able to read what you've read, being led to the right things, all of that is available in this space mm -hmm. online for free. Mm -hmm. It's free. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you just you can just go and and watch and observe and listen to people and find yeah. so much. But Jamila, if I told you that every time a certain editors from certain magazines were looking for writers of color, they reached out to me to be like, "Do you know anyone? Have you heard of anyone?" <laughs> and I'm like. Yes, on Twitter. Get on Twitter. <laughs> mm -hmm. Just get on Twitter. Just do a search. Just find something. What do you think is behind just the idea that, that, that people really do, for some reason, think they can't find these things themselves or they, that they won't? They can't be bothered. 
They can't be bothered because they don't care. They just want one so that they can like tick that box. A lot of these people are privileged people who are not from any kind of marginalized community whatsoever. And they are at the height of privilege and they can't be asked. And that's why I'm starting I Way, because we can. We believe in those voices. We invest in those voices. I'm, I'm literally investing in those voices. Uh, <laughs> so we want to find those people and give them the platform that they deserve. We're out there and we're only looking for those people currently. And, and we're looking for the people who have 1,000 followers, but something unbelievable to say. Mm -hmm. So we're out there, and hopefully, if we can become successful, so please support us, um, if we become successful, then, then these people are just greedy. They don't necessarily hate marginalized people. They just like, don't know if it works yet and don't want to be the ones to take the risk. So they just mm -hmm. keep going with the names that are currently doing well. Mm -hmm. They don't invest in new talent. That's why we keep making remakes in Hollywood. No one has a fucking, there are loads of great scripts out there by young, interesting, cool people from backgrounds that haven't been publicly, like that haven't been on mass, we haven't been exposed to on mass, but they don't get used because it's a risk financially. And you know, as we've seen, when a risk is taken, it normally pays off. I'm a big risk. Uh, Black Panther was a huge risk, mm -hmm. considering, you know, I mean, according to them, uh, bridesmaids, crazy rich Asians. I mean, how much the good place where you have loads of ethnic diversity, like ethnic, ethnic minorities, not playing on the stereotype of their ethnic minority. You know, you have a cast that is diverse and interesting and a show that is high concept on network television. He took a risk, it paid off. Risks pay off. And so we're gonna take that risk and hope that other people follow suit. When you think about your legacy. And if this goes wrong, please put money in my cup. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, when I think about. <laughs> when you think about Venmo, just kidding. When you, <laughs> when you think about your legacy. Yeah. What do you think about? I don't give a shit. No. I'm not interested in my legacy. When I'm gone, I'm done. I'm worm food. <laughs> I don't care about any of you hoes. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not interested in legacy. I think it's a ridiculous thing personally to care about. I'm sorry, I know that's a really rude, sweeping statement, judgmental thing that I'm going to be called out for now. <laughs> um, but I just think uh, the idea of anything beyond your death is absurd to care about. I just care about being a good person now and being loved by the people that I love and I respect. Uh, that's it. I love that. I don't think okay? No. Sorry. I'm hyper-practical about these things. You I, are I have no romance. answering questions <laughs> wrong. And the, these questions have no wrong answers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but it's just, you know, like, we, you know, people care about that sort of stuff and, like, yes. having a statue. And I understand the importance of some statues. Right. But some flags could come down. <laughs> um, <laughs> don't yeah. need that fucking legacy. Um, you know what I'm saying? But, yeah, I, I, I think... I, I worry about legacy. I think there's something toxic around legacy sometimes in that we spend so much time working towards this goal of, of how we will be remembered that we forget to live in the now. Mm. And I, I think that that's very dangerous. And so I don't, I don't care. Don't. I think that's amazing. Like, I really don't think that that's a bad, wrong, or even, that, to be perfect, that controversial thing to say just because I, I, I think you're right. I think that legacy does carry a lot of toxicity. Yeah. And it carries the idea that you must gather and accumulate and leave behind. It's also all pride and ego. Like, stop thinking about yourself. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, how will people view me? Like, who cares? 
Just get on with it. Get on with it. Be a good person. Know that you're a good person. And then it won't matter to you what other people think about you. That's what I think. And, I've, and right. the better a person I become, because I wasn't always great, um, you know, <laughs> the, the less I am concerned with other people's opinions, because those people can be wrong. They can be misinformed. We have worshipped some people who have turned out to be absolute rotters and child molesters. You know, like, mm -hmm. it's so it just doesn't matter. I'll stop talking about this now. Please move on. That's okay. That's all right. We got some audience questions for mm -hmm. you. You God ready for those? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What is the most ridiculous or funny thing Ted Danson did during filming? And that's from Amanda. He tried watching him floss. <laughs> <laughs> and watching him learn how to floss for a month <laughs> beforehand is something that I will never unsee. <laughs> I never want to unsee it, but it was the sweetest and most ridiculous thing you have ever witnessed in your life. Um, yeah. So that would be it. Just Ted Dance and flossing. <laughs> Unbelievable. This person says, what can we do he to further- trying to, sorry. <laughs> no, just tell, please tell He her. kept on, you know, it's like a sideways thing. I mean, I can't even do it, but he just kept on thrusting. <laughs> <laughs> so he was just giving you full pelvis like the hip. He can't stop being hip. sexy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like an affliction. Oh. You know, that's, that's exhausting. I too understand the weight of sexiness over the course of a lifetime. <laughs> you get tired eventually. And we appreciate your efforts. I, you know, you're welcome. What can we do to further support the groundbreaking I Way movement? It's from Tracy. You can spread the word. You can spread the word about I Way and send it to the people that you think need it. Send it to the people that you think are underestimating their worth because there is always growth to be had. And you can leave us feedback in the comments. We're really reading it. We're really paying attention to what you say. So make sure that you join us and you engage with us and you, you help us reach as many people as you as we can, because we're here, hopefully, in the long term, for the long term, for the long run. For the long Jesus run. Jesus Christ, the malapropisms, sorry. Um, <laughs> we are, uh, yeah, we're, we, we really care, and we really want to reach as many people as possible so that we can make sure that we are at least doing something to interrupt the, the wave of toxicity that is coming at young people now. And if we can just like be that person that helps people see things that they can't unsee, then, then we are doing, people a great service I think mm -hmm. and you know I think just being made aware of toxicity for me personally helped me so much because it you know sometimes we feel there's it's so pervasive and so constant the toxicity that we're ingesting that sometimes we feel a bit gaslit by mm -hmm. you know for thinking that it's ridiculous or bad or it's wrong that you, sh you sh but why should I hate my legs why should I hate my hair why should I hate my skin color you know but if everyone else cares about it and talks about it and profits off it all the time then you start to feel a bit gaslit. And so we have been, I believe, the presence that has got, that have gone, you're not crazy, this is fucking ridiculous, and this shouldn't be happening to anyone, and it is sexist, and it is inhumane, it is greedy, and it is corrupt. And so that's the presence I want to be for as many people as possible, so please do that. that. All right, since you got Instagram to change its rules, if you could make Instagram add one more rule, mm -hmm. what would it be? 
make them tell you what the side effects are under the posts of all of these products. It's so ridiculous that that isn't a thing. We do that with cigarettes, we do that with all other drugs, but for some reason when it's diet and detox products, you can't get detox by a powder or a drink. Only your liver and kidneys do that, just to be clear. <laughs> That's science. Mm -hmm. And you, you know, as someone who was going to be a doctor, yeah. uh, I feel confident in that truth. <laughs> um, I would like the side effects, specifically the side effects, not just the ingredients, but the side effects to be on. I want the effect, same effect as that decaying lung that you have on the cover of cigarettes. I want like a woman shitting fire on a toilet. <laughs> I want them to write extreme cramps, diarrhea, potential thyroid problems, like long-term IBS. I want, I want them to write that underneath their cute, like, Thursday. Post. <laughs> That's what I want. I want him to write Thursday with shitting long fire. Long-term IBS. Yeah, long-term yes. IBS. Yeah. Yes. People have a right to know. Yeah. It's just sorry. It's just so gross to think about. Like, it's really hard for me. Do you remember my video? I do remember when you were on the toilet. I was. <laughs> my boyfriend is an esteemed producer, and he produced the fart noises on that video. <laughs> uh, so one could say that was our first collaboration. <laughs> uh, he is a Grammy winner, so Grammy Award winner. That's what uh, I'm talking about. Moved all of the like explicit fart and shit noises onto my video for me. Thank you very much, James Blake. <laughs> He's gonna EGOT. He's gonna EGOT. That was the beginning. <laughs> Sorry, Pam's parents. Oh my God. <laughs> Tell Pam everything. Um, you participated in an episode of Great British Break Bake Off. What, what are the conditions in the tent really like? And how is Paul Hollywood? <laughs> He's, no. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say. No. 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 But <clears throat> uh, the tent is absolutely horrific to be in. It is so intense. It is so intense that they didn't air this because they didn't want to put further people off. But I snuck out of the window and tried to leave. <laughs> and got escorted back by security and forced to finish the challenge. I literally climbed, I'm a grown woman, out of a window <laughs> to get out of there because I kept on setting fire to everything. So it's, it's, it's horrific um, in there. But also, it was fun-ish, but mostly just... A, a terrible day that thankfully remains on the internet forever so people can just keep fucking bringing it up to me as to, oh my God, you're so young, hi, sorry. <laughs> Don't say anything I've said for like five more years. Um, God. Go to um, the window. Anyway, yeah, don't do it. What have you done? <laughs> no, I mean the bake-off. Also, like, don't swear for a couple of years, but you'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to kill you. My first word was the F word. Anyway. Really? Yeah. The first time I said a curse word, a bee stung me on the tongue. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember, like, working myself up to it, too. Like, I remember thinking in my head, like, I'm going to cuss. Like, I was like, I'm going to cuss. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to say it in front of all my cousins because they always call me a goody two-shoes. I'm going to cuss 
And so we were out there, I was like pulling a wagon or something, this is Indiana. And I was like, not like a mule, but like a, you know, like a, <laughs> like a radio flyer. Like a chic wagon, yeah. like a radio flyer. And I just, I, I remember I just said, you know, like I tripped over something and then I was like, now's the time. Like I was like, I tripped and I went, shit, ah! And like I went like this and a bee flew into my mouth and stung me on my tongue. Yeah. That's yeah. the worst thing I've ever heard. Sorry. I didn't curse again to the first time I heard a Shania Twain song. That really, <laughs> that really brought it out of me. I was like, damn, I do feel like a woman. <laughs> my word. <laughs> Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know why I said all that. Let's go back. Uh, I loved it. <laughs> what is your advice to, on how women can break through the glass ceiling without compromising their femininity? What is femininity? What is it? Anyway, like, I don't know. We don't know. Wouldn't it be so cool to do an experiment in which we didn't infuse people with our ideals of femininity so we could actually work out what it actually is. What is masculinity? What is a feminine man? Is that a man who just is in touch with his normal human feelings? So I reject, I reject that, I'm sorry. Um, not the whole Patton. question, but what was the first bit of the question? I did like that bit. It was, <laughs> what is your advice on how women can break through the glass ceiling? Very interested in that, be disobedient. Fight back, as long as it's physically safe for you. Uh, be disobedient, like speak up for yourself. Ask people awkward questions. Ask your male colleagues how much they earn. That shouldn't be taboo, that should be fine to ask. It's only taboo if there's something to hide. Uh, and so I would say, honestly, that is the best advice I could give you. You are programmed from an early age not to do that. And that's because when you do it, it is often successful. Harder when you are brown, even harder if you are African-American, but it is something that is imperative to our progress. So speak up and speak out. I beg of you, be disobedient. It is pivotal to our future. I love that. I love that. It has always been our dream to become screenwriters. Do you have any tips? We love you, Pippa and Eloise, age 12. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> The first tip is never speak like the woman on stage. <laughs> um, I would say just try to write the thing that you would like to see, the thing that you feel like you most need to see. Tell the story that someone else hasn't thought to tell, and there are so many of those, especially for young women. And so that's the most important thing. There are so many stories that haven't been told that need to be told by people like you. So just. Make sure that you are writing something that is true to you, that you enjoy, and that you yourself would want to. Don't write for what other people would enjoy. Just write the thing that you want to see in the world. That's my advice. Thank you. I've also not yet sold a screenplay, so maybe I'm not the <laughs> final authority. <laughs> okay. Also, make your parents buy you something called Scrivener. Trust me. Oh, I will also be buying that, yes. Yes. <laughs> how do you think we could support, how do you think support could be improved for men struggling with body dysmorphia or eating disorders? How do I think what? 
How do you think support could be improved for men struggling with body dysmorphia or eating disorders? We need to open the door to that conversation. It's happening more and more because they've run out of real estate on us to fix. So now they've moved on to the men and, and no one deserves to be treated that way. So we need to start making it safe for men to talk about their feelings and not making them feel ridiculed or vain for caring. Uh, it's something that you should be asking your male friends about and, and that we should be able to talk about en masse. That's what was so great. I did this interview with Sam Smith uh, on my, you can find it on my, on my Instagram page or on the iWay Instagram page if you click on the IGTV. And um, he talks a lot about, or they talk a lot about that, I believe. Sam has changed their pronouns. Very um, And so, uh, yeah, last I think as of last week. But uh, they talk about their body in a way that we just haven't heard someone who looks like that talk about. And so that was really, really, really profound. And men are suffering too. They have all the same feelings that we have, uh, with perhaps extra erotica sometimes. But um, <laughs> other than that, they're the same as us and they deserve to feel good as well. Generally, a happier earth will make for a better place. So we just need to keep each other all happy and healthy as much as we can. Including the earth. Mm-hmm, yeah. As a female Muslim Pakistani, I feel like I've grown up with so many standards, misogyny. <laughs> what is your advice on how to filter out the noise? You can curate your own space. This is slightly controversial, but I stopped talking to my whole family for like six years because I felt as though, it was my God, Christmas was a breeze. Um, <laughs> but it was because I felt as though they didn't meet my needs and that they weren't respecting my emotional boundaries. And so in order to make that very clear, because people seem to think that family means you can get away with anything, that you mm -hmm. share a bloodline, you can say or do whatever you want and you will always be forgiven. I don't believe in that. I believe that we are all people and we all deserve to be respected. And so therefore, you know, I'm not suggesting you have to cut out your whole family. You also might be 11, uh, in which case that's just not like economically viable for you. <laughs> um, but you can start to explain your boundaries to people. That's the very first step, is explaining your boundaries to people. And anyone who rejects those boundaries, who tells you that they aren't going to respect those, start to look at that person very differently and don't afford them the courtesy of your time and your grace. You start to distance yourself from that person until they earn back your time and your trust. Mm. You have the right to protect yourself. If my therapist had put it like that, <laughs> I think I would have understood a little bit earlier what I was trying to do. Uh, Courtney says, I liked what you said about cancel culture. How can we make people feel more comfortable asking questions? Well, it would be great if people with public personas could uh, start to just admit that they're wrong more often. Mm. Um, but we should also be more forgiving of each other and more forgiving of ourselves. I think it's, I think it's, a, it's all happened very quickly, but I think it'll start to fizzle out as soon as people realize that we're not getting anywhere. Like the, the people who are oppressing us are just carrying on in their like road to oppression and they're all united and we're all just nitpicking each other and like self-cannibalizing. So at some point, we will absolutely devastate our entire part of society. And at that point, people will realize, OK, there has to be a more progressive way. And that, that way will involve empathy, kindness, some patience, however annoying that is, and, and uh, like sort of communal growth. Mm -hmm. Does that make any sense? Yeah. OK, fine. I've been talking for hours. We got one more for you. Oh, wonderful. One more. 
Did your experience with your hearing as a child lead you to interact with the deaf community? If so, how? No, and until now. Now I have been interacting with the deaf, the deaf community. It's not that I actively tried to stay away from them, but I guess when I was 11 years old, I no longer needed to go to a special needs school, and so I went to a school for able-bodied kids, and I guess because of the life that I've lived full of mental illness and bullying and all these different things, I've had so many afflictions, I haven't thought to connect with any community, including my own like you know uh, cultural community. Mm. I've just been surviving every day. And now that I'm finally in a place where I've had therapy and I no longer feel like I'm constantly battling, I feel very, very engaged with other people. And that's like both the deaf community and the disabled community and the trans community. Now I have space for other human beings. But until now, I didn't seek anyone out. And that's why I didn't have any friends until I was 19. And I didn't like, lose my virginity until well into my 20s. Um, I didn't seek anyone out. But now I am. And, and that's just the same as us. But you know, it, living without the sounds of, you know, annoying people. So, <laughs> if anything, better, you know, I think, superior. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Jamila, for this time, for having this conversation. This is the most I've laughed on stage <laughs> in a really long time. It feels good. It feels good, even though I know that somebody's taking pictures and then on Instagram later tonight, there's just gonna be like picture after picture of me exactly like this. And to the, the few journalists in this room, please don't fuck up my day tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I came in peace. We all came in peace. Thank you so much for coming and for being here as well. Thank you to the 92nd Street Y for hosting this. It's been amazing. Um, thank you to Ashley Ford, one of my absolute heroes, an icon of our time. Thank you for thank being you. here to ask us. Thank you. Um, and thank you to all of you for listening for so long. I bet you all need to piss. And thank you for your thoughtful <laughs> questions. I really appreciate that. Thank Bye. you. Thanks for listening. 92i Talks is supported by a generous endowment established by Daphne Reconati Kaplan and Thomas S. Kaplan. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and find more great conversations at 92yondemand.org.